1800s, the Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Hi, welcome to another Dirt Roads Circuit Riders Podcast. I'm Mike Hull of Doug Rutledge and Steve McVeigh, and we are glad you could join us today to talk about something outside of COVID. Although, I do think, Mike, to start, we need to say that we're all not wearing masks. All right, continue on. Continue on. <laughs> and we're all going. in the same room today. Same we're room, going. not wearing masks. Yeah, we so, took a picture. It's on the internet. So it's yeah, yeah, we'll post another. Uh, yeah, we'll post a picture maybe when we post this. But yeah, none of us have masks. We're in a small... We're in a church nursery. That's what we are <laughs> in right now. Because we're in a country church. Yeah. Oh, so we're really talking about. What are we so, talking about today? So Do we're we? not talking about COVID today. We are actually going to be talking about something I think that's on our hearts to see in rural America. And I, the exciting part about what we're going to be sharing is an idea and a concept of what would it look like to reach people who just don't know Jesus in rural America. And not just like in your town, but in a bigger, broader sense, the least reached places. You know, we talk about that in an international level, right? We talk about what it looks like to go down to the bush country in Tanzania or Kenya or, you know, wherever the place may be. But what does that look like in, in America, and especially in rural America? Yeah, absolutely. Because what our studies have shown, and not our studies, but ARDA and all those different folks, is that in a rural town, in, a rural, in rural places, religious adherence is either higher or lower than average. And it, the difference is a life-giving, Bible-believing, community-transforming church, that if there's that presence there, it's going to be higher than normal. But then the more rural remote you get, there's there's places that religious adherence is like down in the low teens, like, you know, 13%, yeah. things like that. I mean, we need to speak to that, first of all. The, the misnomer that rural communities are more religious, that, that's not a truth. No, that's, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's not a truth. 17% in one of our counties, Kalkaska County, you'd think, oh, man, rural Michigan, that's got to be you know fairly churchy. It's not. About 20% in Hillsdale County, where we are, which is below the national norm, by about half. Yeah, it's right. crazy. Exactly. Actually, Connie, we were saying today, 70%, now it's 10 years ago, 70% had checked the box of no affili- religious affiliation whatsoever. Yeah, nuns. Almost 70% were yeah. nuns. Really, right here in Wisconsin. Nuns. And, and that doesn't mean, hey, and, and we almost as pastors, those people that were baptized Catholic or Lutheran, yeah. that, that was the last time they actually entered the church as a baby baptized. Mm-hmm. That's right. And they say that they're Lutheran or Catholic. And they don't even know anything about Jesus or the gospel. Right. And and I think I think the reality is is I think just because we see church buildings, we make yes. the assumption that people are actually in those buildings. Yeah. I drove today. Um, well, yesterday morning I drove from Dubuque, Iowa, up to Hillsboro, Wisconsin. Okay. All county roads, 
And I went through one small town after another. I mean, like the population signs were all, were all under a thousand. There was one that had a population sign of ninety-one, by the way. Which I, okay, how that's that's precision. The, 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 those folks must have answered the census pretty clearly. But in <laughs> that's our joke. Yes, our joke is they changed the population sign when my family moved that's in. Right. right. In, in the water, yeah. population has dropped because all our kids went to college. Right. Um, <laughs> The, the reality is, is that when I drive through these towns, I'm looking around. Is there a church? How are these people exposed to the gospel? How? And it's heartbreaking because a lot of them, you know, and, and we're, you know, in Wisconsin, every town seems to have three bars, Michael. I mean, you guys, you guys know how to, how to do, you know, pubs here. That's well, for sure. I, I would say if, if church was a bar, we'd dominate the world in Wisconsin <laughs> um, because... Most towns have more bars than churches. Most towns have more bars than banks. Most towns have more bars than any other business in, mm-hmm. in the state of Wisconsin. It's, it's, a, it's a cultural thing here. Um, wow. But the truth of the matter is, what blows me away about it is when you walk into a lot of those churches, it, you, you on a Sunday afternoon about 1130 before a Packer game, I walk into a church and you maybe see eight or ten people if you're lucky. And if you, in the average age, no offense, pastor, is probably over 65. And then I'd walk down the local top, pub, local bar, yeah. and I'll see about 50 people, all under the age of 45, because the Packers are playing. Yeah. And I think there's a reality of, like, what are we missing? What What is going on that we disconnect? Because rural America isn't church, and I think that is the question that arises for us today. Yeah. And there's all sorts of jokes that we, like, see, they don't have that problem where Doug is because they have the Lions. And nobody, they would, they need to go to church before they watch the No, 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 no. That's a misnomer. The bars are still packed because of the Lions. <laughs> but, but so, so let's just, let's just talk about us for just a moment and why we're, why we're even together. Um, we were all invited into uh, the project of the Rural Matters Institute. Yep. And there's a large group of people there, um, some great rural experts. But the three of us just sort of, sort of clicked around this idea of um doug you do cooperative youth ministry yep. um michael you've done a lot of rural church planting uh, dirt roads network rural church planting rural church revitalization and we we just we clicked and it was like the holy spirit gave us a dream together a vision together yeah. and so today we just want to talk about that vision so people know like okay if we could do anything for god what would we do mm-hmm. so guys what is the vision I, i'm not going to be the one that just articulates it let's just what did God? What did God sort of put in our minds? So we use the phrase a, a cooperative outsourced youth ministry for uh, Crossroads Farm. We come into a community and we take a county-wide approach as opposed to a town or a city approach. So that was that's not the start of the idea, but the concept was you come into any of these rural communities, and there are a couple churches, maybe two, three, four churches in a community, but they don't really have any cooperation. They're, they're, they they're segmented, they're denominational, they don't really get down together at all. And so the concept was, what if denominations started realizing, hey, we're, we're all serving Jesus Christ, come together around a few basic denominational, you know, or not denominational, but theological pillars, yes. and say, this is, this is where we don't part, and come into a community as a cooperative of pastors, and launch churches, denominational churches, that in turn would share, uh, you know, I guess in my mind, because I see everything through our grid, 
would share a youth ministry that was that cooperative outsourced youth ministry. And the reason for that is really simple. Uh, you need some critical mass for youth ministry to really work. So what if four churches came into a community, Wesleyan's, the Vineyard Church, maybe Southern Baptist, maybe, uh, you know, Swedish Baptist, whatever it is, and they came in and said, we'll agree to those terms and we'll plant at the same time, working through some of the same training in terms of planting. Then what you have is a network of pastors in a rural remote area where, where they're not alone. They're not serving alone. And what would, what would happen to that community if those churches, even on occasion, came together and did some mutual, uh, you know, mutual worship together? Yeah. So, so that comes to like one of the things that we were doing in the vineyard recently. There's two models that we're actually proposing. One is called a triad model. Mm -hmm. The triad model, if you haven't heard about it, is three churches working together to plant another church. And we have taken a, a same mindset action in the vineyard lately. We've moved away in rural, rural America from the city idea or town idea, even though that is important, to a county-wide idea, looking more at a county seat philosophy. Because the county seat usually has your Dollar General, your DMV, your county jail. We just drove past our county jail here mm -hmm. recently. And the reality is it has those things that people are used to coming in to. But in a triad model, we want three churches working together to help plan a church in partnership. We're better together. And in reality, when we have these three churches work together, they can do many things together. They can not just plant the church, but they can support one another. So I don't know about you, but like my youth pastor or my kids pastor or my worship pastor or any other leader I have, I mean, the pastor, the leader, anything, they're pretty isolated in rural America. They're mm -hmm. probably a volunteer. They're probably bivocational themselves. And they don't have any support um, because they're probably the only like vineyard pastor or, or youth leader in the area. Right. And what happens with three churches working together is we form affinity groups. So the worship leaders from... Those three churches get together and they share ideas how they can help plant support a church. But what will yeah. be coming also out of that is they become a moment where they can work together and say, hey, you know, I have this issue going on in my worship team. Yeah. What do you think of this? It becomes a sharing of ideas and networks and they have a support system. And so all of a sudden it's not just I'm working on my own. I'm working together with someone else and have support. Support that financially I couldn't pay to send them to a training to do that. But now they have the ability to do that with each other. So that's the triad model. And I think... As we look into it, it could be four, it could be five. The reason you don't want two is it gets comparative. Yep. So Doug's youth ministry is going great. Mine's a struggle. And now I feel guilty even telling Doug about mine. Doug feels yep. bad because he's going to have better than mine. Yep. If you add that third person in, it just kind of works. So it might, it's, it's, it's the opposite of no offense, ladies, but my teenage daughter, she's not a teenager anymore. She used to tell me as a teenager that girls never functioned in odd numbers because someone got eliminated. Yeah. True fact, right? Teenage girls, like, they want to get someone quick. I raised three daughters. So, yeah, and yeah. so you know that. <laughs> yeah. And there's a true fact of that. And it's the opposite of church planning. It doesn't seem to work well in an even number system. It seems to work well in an odd number, so we're not comparing. Yeah, that's and, interesting. And so the idea of the triad is we're just going to be better together. We can see the kingdom spread, God's kingdom spread, and we can have people resource each other. Yeah. And so, like, Dirt Roads Network, we believe strongly. I mean, we started as a church planting um, network. And we, we believe in like rural hub churches that are, you know, like have a larger town, yep. but there's, they're planting in other towns. Um, we also do a rural church revitalization. Yep. You know, we have an entire like one year program for that. So here's, here's what we were, as we got together, we were talking and we, we looked at the fact that there are some counties that simply they're rural and they're unchurched. And what if we took a cooperative approach? What if 
the, you said the Swedish, okay, I'm going to say converge because you were going to get letters. Right, 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 right. Yeah, we'll right. call them converge. Right. <laughs> yes. Glenn, yeah. Glenn Hirschbeck is going to, okay, you know, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, <laughs> it's converge. But what if you had three or four churches in this county go through some kind of revitalization? Like we pick a county, God, it would have to be the Holy Spirit, yeah. leads yeah. us to a county where the religious adherence is really low. And we together, like a, like a group of Bible-believing Christians with different perspectives, different nuances, but, I mean, we talk about how we want to lay down, you know, those differences and really come together. Yeah. What if we, a number of different denominations and, and a number of different ministers, took on one of these rural counties that is lost, yeah. I mean, absolutely lost, yeah. and we started a rural youth ministry in the center of it that helped both the revitalizing churches and the planting churches. We use the triad model. The churches that were there, are they willing to go through like some church revitalization? Is there a hub church? And, and like seriously make it a cooperative Christian effort, just like you would with the 1040 window. Because what I learned from listening to missionaries when they get overseas, denominational lines are gone. Yeah. If you believe in Jesus and the Bible, yeah. maybe you speak in tongues, yeah. and maybe back home, your denomination thinks that people speak in tongues have lost their minds. But right here, we're on the fringe, and we're trying to win this culture. And so we work together. What if we, this was like the thing that brought us together originally. Right. What if we could find, God would lead us to that county, and then like 10 years from now, the religious adherence in that county is completely different. Because of what God did. Well, and I think that's that's the beauty of the goal. Like we know people need Jesus, right? And here's the beauty of Jesus: is he spent a lot of time in rural America, in rural roads and towns. And right. Like he was a dirt road pastor. Like yes. there's no question, there was no black God. <laughs> so, but I think uh, there was the you know there there were some roads going into Rome. Yeah, there was some. <laughs> but he wasn't in Rome. He was in Jerusalem, so he was right. he was yeah. in backwards. He let Paul, Paul take the road. Let Paul take the road. That's how he got saved. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. So what I would say, gentlemen, is this. I think that hub idea is so true. And, and, I, and that's why I stress the better together idea. I, I, my uncle was a missionary for 42 years. And I got a chance to go over there and spend over a month with him when I was 21. And the interesting part about that story was I never once was asked what denomination I was. I was asked, was I Christian or Muslim or tribal? They never asked me tribal because I, I was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy. So they assumed I wasn't. You know, from Kenya, Tanzania. Did you just say, yeah, sure, you betcha? Yeah, that was all My, you betcha, you betcha, you betcha. We've been here in Wisconsin. We got in yesterday, right? We've been here in Wisconsin. Yeah, you betcha. We've heard, oh my, anyway. You haven't even headed east. You just can't be serious about it. You wait, you haven't headed east to, no offense to UP. We haven't even gotten to the eastern part of the state yet. You're still in the west. It gets progressively more, you betcha, there, yeah, there, hey. As it goes that way. I'm headed north tomorrow. Yeah, you'll see that yeah, there, here. And that's a test. We, we test our people out. Yeah. No, um, I, I would say the reality is, is maybe we're, we've been asking the wrong question about denomination. That we've been making an assumption that that's what counts. And I'm pretty confident. I, I've read my Bible through. I haven't seen there's going to be a section in heaven for, for the converged people, a mm-hmm. section in heaven for the Wesleyans, a section in heaven for the vineyard. It's going to be one body of Christ. Yeah. And if we can just push through that and say, hey, we agree. I would bet we sit at this table. We worked out theologically just because I think people are going to wonder these questions. I bet we agree on close to 90 to 95% theologically yes. on most stuff. I bet we get to about 5% stuff, which I wouldn't say are 
our first order stuff, but maybe even third order stuff, not even second order stuff that we probably would have some debate on. Yeah. But in the, in the foundational of the gospel, I, I, I'm just working with pastors across denominations now. I'm like, we agree on so much. Right. And we, and we get lost. We let the enemy fill the blanks in wrong. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and we need to be careful of that. So I, I, I push into it because I think this is such an opportunity that we're inviting people into and inviting ourselves into right. of, can you imagine what would it would look like to walk into a rural county, a rural county, and see the the moment of breakthrough, and see the gospel breakthrough, and see revival happen for that oh, yeah. county? Because I think that would be the amazing part. Right now, for example, we're forming a hub out of our church. Right, we've got two plants just started, and the second one, we just saw the people starting meeting, starting to talk to each other, yeah. and the just the energy level. Because the one lady said, "I never knew in this town that God could like show up with me." That was actually her words. Yeah. To me. yeah. And you know, by this, will all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. And sometimes, you know, as pastors, we preach that about our congregation. Congregation, and we need to right now, like mask or no mask, it doesn't matter. We love one another. That is, oh, we said no COVID today. But anyway, what if, so you have this lost county. What if, and, and you know, there's tribalism in a rural setting. There's insiders, outsiders. There's all this, I mean, there's a, the, the inward politics. You guys know all this, you know, family names, all that kind of stuff. Right. What if Christians from different denominations came together and just said, no, we are going to be a witness to this county by doing this, and we're going to cooperate with youth ministry. And so it isn't right. going to be competition. The competition is going to be against Satan and his control of this area, saturated in prayer. And and here's what I, here's what I believe. If we could find one county where God led us to mm-hmm. And it happened. It would inspire others to drop those those artificial walls and be, you know, because Christianity is being pushed to the fringe. Oh yeah, yes. you know. And so we're like missionaries, and a mission field requires missionaries, and we have to think like missionaries. What if we could transform one county? It'd be like the rural ten forty window. Right. Uh, so here's here's the difference. There's a difference between vision and dreaming. Mm-hmm. And we're not just dreaming here. We're, yes. we're trying to cast a vision. I contend the difference is that a visionary sees the work involved and, mm-hmm. and the impossibility of the of the dream, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I love, I'm just going to read this. I'm going to bring this back around. So, and the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to, to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. And, oh, I, and I love this, man. I love the concept that this season is a season where we have to reimagine the church, not just in terms of whether we're Zoom calling or, you know, speaking into political issues differently, but maybe we need to realign ourselves with Jesus. And maybe we need to come into communities and realize that the mission field isn't all overseas in the 10, you know, 1040 window, but it, it's, it's here in the United States where our numbers are reaching pagan levels. Yes, yes. And that's rural America. The America's heartland is losing its faith. So I love that concept. I love reimagining faith. I also know this, that there are things we agree on even within the confines of ministry. Number one, in rural America, we know our worship's not very good. I mean, if we're honest. Some churches do a really good job. Some churches do a really good job. Imagine shared resource oh, where yeah. worship is, and you can have your own particular bent, 
but as a community of faith, we're learning how to do worship better, how to, how to do sounds tech better, how to do youth ministry as a cooperative. And students have a choice of which church feels more like church to them, but they're not opting out because yeah. they have a, a chance to sift and sort and find out. And I, I love the concept of just centering around the things we agree in. And I'll tell you that the thing that launched us is that we knew everybody knows we're not very good at youth ministry. We have two every, kids. Every rural pastor. Right. Every rural. Yeah. We're not very good. Yeah. We got two kids and, you know, dad's teaching the love, sex, and dating section. It's really, it's <laughs> awkward because I've got a brother and sister in there. And <laughs> yeah. I already gave them the Boy, book I wanted like, them to read, you know. This is like real rural ministry. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. I kissed other... dating goodbye and now I can't use that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Josh ruined that for us. But the, um, the, the fact is, though, that rural churches that are successful then, immediately, I can just speak as one who's, you know, we were in a town of 40 people, and we ended up with a church of, you know, 350, 400, and the other rural churches began to see us as, um, sometimes we were viewed as an enemy, because there right. was some transfer, that wasn't all conversions. Yeah. If, if you've got a, a, one church has a super vibrant youth ministry, everyone flocks to that, and then that brings a family. So you you have those dynamics that people we'd have to convince pastors still. You've leave, eliminated the competition though. Yeah, if you if you truly do it as a cooperative. So here's the the joke that um, the founder of the vineyards John used to say is churches have gotten really good at moving the deck chairs around in the Titanic. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and that's what we've gotten really good at. Yeah. Like what what we need to be interested in is beyond transfer. Like there is a part of that there's a reality you can't control right. as a pastor. But Right now, the, the mission field, the field of harvest is so huge. I believe it's huge. And I think they haven't even heard the gospel. I think they don't even have a, know the true gospel. Not the true gospel. I don't think they've heard anything about the Bible. Right. Yeah. I'm coming to the conclusion now where I'm talking to people. Like the Noah's Ark story, they thought it was just like you put in your nursery for your kids. They didn't actually know there was actually a Bible story yeah. based on, on, on Noah's Ark, for example. That really happened. That really happened. Like, you know, they, they, like, that actually makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you pair it out, it makes sense. So, yeah. so you see what I'm saying? And I feel like this is where we can start to agree. I, I think churches, my opinion, this is my critique, just traveling around the nation, is we, we, we compare ourselves to other churches and not look at all those people who aren't going to church exactly. and ask ourselves, so what's the missing element that we can partner together for? Why are we not speaking their language? What is the spot that we're not speaking into? Because... I think even no matter if you're applying to a church, you're a church in transition, you're a church that needs revitalization, no matter which one you are, the question should be asked, where are we seeing the people who don't know Jesus come in? Where's the space for that person seeking? I'll make the argument, it isn't so much the angry agnostic all the time. This is what we focused on, the angry atheist. Yeah. But there's a group of people that know something's missing in their life. Yes. And it's a higher percentage we give credit for. Especially they, now. Especially now. And they're seeking something. The answer is that yeah. they know there's some type of God. Yeah. They're not, they don't know the true God. But they, right. they're understanding this. And they're like, I'm, I'm missing something. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we have the good news. We have the great news of the gospel. Yeah. And so my argument will always be is, maybe instead of asking the question of, well, why that church has, you know, 450 people and over 40 people. Right. Asking, like, well, how can we bring people in yes. to Christ? Because if we can do that, and even, by the way, Pastor, even if you brought someone to Jesus yeah. and they actually had them to another church, 
Would it be the end of the world when you came to heaven to say, well, I led 75 people to Jesus in the last two years before I died, but only 20 stayed in my church. The Lord's not going to scold you. Right. I just don't think he's going to be like, yeah. So your, your denominational leader might look at that differently, but I was kidding. Right. Um, yeah. can, I, can I do this? Yeah. Can I just interrupt for a second and say, I hear the cows coming home, and yes. what we should do is continue the conversation next podcast. So we will, we will continue this conversation, and you can tune in uh, the next time we publish the podcast. But um, we're going. I, I would like to go in the direction next of uh, what do we do in terms of pastoral training, how that pairs out, how that how that lays itself out. I'd like to talk about uh, you know sharing other types of resources, yeah. and then I want to talk about revitalization of existing churches yes. where the incoming churches are not. A new threat, but instead, uh, uh, brothers and sisters, sisters in Christ, Christ right? Right, right? So, yeah. yeah. Right, so, so uh, hey, this has been another uh, episode of the Dirt Roads Circuit Writers Podcast. We're glad you could join us today. We look forward to the next one as we continue the conversations, and we hope you have a great and tremendous uh, couple days, everybody. The Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at ThinkOrange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at CrossroadsFarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash USA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.CrossroadsFarm.org Dirt Roads Network. Transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails. Happy trails.